0: oh i'm so thankful for the presence of god without the presence of god i am nothing without the presence of god i have nothing to say to you today and that is the 100 percent truth anything that i present to you today i sit at the feet of jesus and i ask him please speak through me please give me the word that you want to say to them And so I pray right now that our hearts be open to the Holy Spirit, that we have soft, pliable hearts that can receive the word, the seed of the word in our hearts to change us, to make us grow and to make us more like him. In Jesus' name, amen. Today I get to speak about how love is not self-seeking which is 1 Corinthians 13, 5. There's a lot of lugged nuggets in that verse 5, isn't there? In chapter 12, that's the chapter before the love chapter. That's titled Spiritual Gifts. Paul talks all about the spiritual gifts here and the different kinds of service, and all of them were given so that we can help each other. He talks about gifts of wisdom, special knowledge, great faith, gifts of healing, miracles, prophecy, on and on. Then he talks about the different parts of the body and how they are all important. So Paul's audience may be sitting on the edge of their seats because he is describing these powerful gifts given to man by God. And they want to have one or two or the best one, or the most important one. He tries to calm them down by saying, no one gift is more important than the other. And then he puts that bait on the end of his hook. And he says at the end of chapter 12, but now let me show you a way of life that is best of all. And he goes into, if I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels but didn't love others, But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Paul put all those spiritual gifts and all of our knowledge and wisdom into God's perspective. God's holy perspective. But maybe this is what our perspective looks like. Hmm, if I could speak all the languages of earth and angels, I would be sought after for my abilities. If I had the gift of prophecy and also understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, I would be the most important person in all the earth. If my faith was so great I could move mountains, well everyone that needed a mountain moved would need me. But that's not what Paul said, is it? He said if we could do all those things but didn't love people, We would be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. We would be nothing and would have gained nothing. And this is why we are breaking down the aspects of love into little manageable pieces. Because love is that important. If you have missed any sermons in this series, I do want to encourage you to go to the the church's website, BaselineChurch.org, and listen to them they are essential for being a Christian. Nikki Gumble, you know who he is? Yeah, yeah he's our um, read the Bible in the year guy. He said, love should be number one on your spiritual priority list. It should be the main thing in your life. Love is not self-seeking. It does not demand or insist on its own way. The Greek word used here is zeteo, and it means to seek in order to find, to search for, to desire, require, demand. Herod, remember King Herod? He was seeking the young child Jesus in order to destroy him. He wasn't casually looking for Jesus, was he? he was, it was a demanding enough type of a seeking that he killed all boys under the age of two that's a serious seeking isn't it being selfish it strikes at the very heart of every single one of us so every one of us will struggle with selfishness until the day we die but we actually can turn that focus onto something else matthew 633 says seek first the kingdom of god That's the tale that seeking like Herod did is the same Greek word used in this verse. It's in a positive way. Seek like Herod sought for Jesus and killed children in order to find him. That's the type of seeking in a good way. That we are supposed to seek the kingdom of God first and his righteousness. And then all these things will be added to you. This self-seeking, it is deep within us. It is. It's just our human nature. And it is demanding of our own way. It goes way beyond taking care of ourselves and our families, because we are to take care of ourselves. But we're not to demand our own way. No one ever hated his own flesh, but we nourish it, we cherish it, cherish it just as Christ does the church. That's in Ephesians. Of course we're supposed to take care of ourselves. We're to love ourselves enough to exercise it, to eat properly, to rest, to go on vacations, to have hobbies, to enjoy life, of course. There is a difference between loving ourselves in a necessary, healthy way and loving ourselves selfishly that we demand our own way. Well, What does selfishness look like? It's like, do you really have to explain that, Jill? We all know what selfishness looks like. From our earliest days of childhood we've expressed our demands, whether through wordless cries, foot stomping tantrums. Then as we grow older We learn to temper our demands so we can get along with others. We learn that taking turns is fair play and adopt other rules, but lurking in the background is always that desire to seek what we want. Selfishness is simply lacking consideration for others and being concerned primarily about our own personal profit our own pleasure. Selfishness is thinking of oneself. So if we're always thinking about ourselves, we're having selfish thoughts. It's really the, our natural way of thinking. Sometimes in our household, and I didn't write this down, so I hope it comes out right, people like myself and others that are maybe like me think that we're being unselfish when I don't want to eat. like if Barry asked me where would you like to go out to eat that's just a dumb example but it's the only one that came to my mind where do you want to go out to eat and rather than me wanting to step out on anybody's toes or maybe say something nobody else wants I I might I might think so in these type of situations I'm thinking about myself when I think I'm actually being humble, am I making any sense here? There's two ways of selfishness here. And so often we think a selfish person is always so demanding, but there's that passive selfishness, too, that we think we're being really honorable, and yet we're still thinking about self, thinking about self. And so that's just what I want to bring to our attention. Sometimes we're not being honorable if we're still thinking about ourselves. See, I like my way. My way is the way that's easiest for me. It's most comfortable for me. It's most convenient for me. And there's nothing wrong with liking a way. Of course, course there's a way that we like best. But what happens when our way collides with someone else's way? What happens when what's easiest and best for me is not easiest and best for someone else. What does love do in that moment? Love does not insist on its own way. This self-seeking attitude causes us to look for our own comfort and our own joy. It forces other people to adjust to us and not the other way around. It's selfish. When we are impatient, when we're envious, proud and rude we are being selfish this love that jesus demands of us did you know jesus demands that we love in his agape love it is a command he demands of us and it continues to be the opposite of selfishness it's not about us it's not about promoting ourselves or making sure we look the best it's about laying our lives down for our friends, picking up our cross, and striving to live, love, and act more like Jesus. Love does not demand its own way. It does not make us the focal point. Love tempers our wants differently. Instead of masking our demands behind a veneer of civility, love forces us to consider others first. Even allowing someone to go ahead of us without feeling wronged in the process. How many of you have done that? Oh, I just love that person because I let them go first, but I'm standing here, I, I only let you do it because it looks good in front of everybody. Man, if we really knew our motives that clear, we probably wouldn't act on them all the time, but a lot of times it is the truth. It doesn't really cost us anything to let someone merge into our lane or to go ahead of us in the checkout line. It might cost us a little bit of time, but nothing else. But there are times when this aspect of love does require great sacrifice. Well, Jesus demonstrated this sacrifice at the cross. The life of Jesus portrays the ultimate sacrifice of love. In fact, it's the heart of what Philippians chapter 2 says. I'm going to read 2 through um, verses 1 through 11. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Obviously, yes is the answer to all of those questions. Paul says then, make me truly happy. By agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others, too. A lot of times we really have to stop and take the time to do that to take an interest in others, because so many times we're thinking about ourselves. I'm speaking from experience right there. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave And was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. I wasn't going to end it there. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Love is not self-seeking. It does not demand its own way. But instead, I broke it down into three things. Instead, it seeks unity. Be considerate. We are to seek unity with other believers in our thoughts, in our attitudes, with our love and purpose. We are to recognize that a separatist's right to one's own opinion is not a biblical teaching. All right, tuck your toes underneath the pews for the next few paragraphs. Opinions. God created man to not be ro- robotic, but to have free will. This means we have opinions. Are we entitled to our own opinion? What does the Bible say about opinions? Jesus, again, is our example. Existing in the form of God, he did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited or used as his advantage. The divine God, who created all and knows all, he's all-powerful, he laid all that down came to earth in the form of a servant a human man so in the realm of God's kingdom our opinions are like a pinch of salt compared to the Dead Sea the Dead Sea is so salty no fish or even seaweed can live in it that's the perspective our opinions need to be to ourselves how much is my opinion really worth in God's kingdom If God thought he should lay down his intelligence and position of power, shouldn't we lay down our opinions? That's what he had to do to come as a servant, as a slave, as a human being. Romans 14.1 As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. Galatians 1.10 For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of God. See our opinions can get us into trouble because many of them are based on the approval of man, not on God. Our opinions are often formed from our past experiences or memories and not on God's word. What good is our opinion if it is contrary to God's opinion? Proverbs 18:2 I'm smiling, you'll hear why in a minute. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding but only in expressing his opinion. Proverbs, as we know, talks about wisdom and it talks about fools. Do you know what my favorite proverb chapter is? Course, you don't. It's Proverbs chapter 26, verses 1 through 12. It gets a response out of me every time. It's the one that for 11 verses describes a fool. A fool has no honor. Take a rod to a fool's back. Don't respond to the stupidity of a fool. Hiring a fool is like shooting yourself in the foot. So by the 11th verse, I'm thinking, how much I do not want to be considered a fool. So I'm on the edge of my seat listening. And then it says in verse 12, Do you see a man who is wise in his own eyes? There's more hope for a fool than for him. A man who is wise in his own eyes is a man who values his own opinion over everyone else's, including God's. Romans fourteen ten through thirteen. So why do you condemn another believer? Why do you look down on another believer? Remember, we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For the scriptures say, "As surely as I live," says the Lord, "every knee will bow to me, and every tongue will declare allegiance to God." And then John twelve forty three. For they loved human praise more than the praise of God. Our opinions cannot trump over God's word, and we cannot run people over in our quest to be right. We must surrender, we must repent and surrender such arrogance for the sake of unity in the body of Christ. Okay, you can pull your toes back out. That's the hardest part of the sermon. Number two. Love is not self-seeking. It does not demand its own way, but instead it values others. Turn away from any selfish ambition or conceited attitudes. Esteem others as being more important and more worthy than you are. Last week, Heather did such an awesome job of challenging us to esteem others as being more important and more worthy than we are. She said when she is talking to someone that she is annoyed by or that she doesn't agree with or maybe that person has hurt her, that she asks God to give her his heart for that person. I liked her. I like that. We are to ask God to give us his heart for the people around us, especially those who are irritating us or those who are different from us. God, show me how you feel about that person. Do you know by praying that prayer, we are choosing agape love? Number three, adopt Christ's attitude. His attitude of unselfishness, servanthood, humility, and obedience. Jesus is God. He humbled himself and took the form of a servant, a human. And as a human, he obeyed God even dying a criminal's death. Olivia, you probably need to come on up. I'm probably winding down here. Let's look at Christ's attitude. Jesus only spoke what the Father said to speak. How many times did he have to bite his tongue when perhaps he wanted to say something different? I just wondered. He did come as a human being. He was perfect in everything he did. Did he have to pause? Remember how Heather suggested we pause and picture Jesus? Did he have to pause and picture Calvary before he answered the Pharisees' questions? When he took the form of a servant, that servant attitude poured out in everything he did. He came not to be served, but to serve. John 13, verse 3, Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return to God. This was at the Last Supper. He knew all this. And so he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet. Drying them with the towel he had around him Verse 12 After washing their feet He put on his robe again And sat down and asked Do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord And you are right Because that's what I am And since I, your Lord and teacher Have washed your feet You ought to wash each other's feet I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. He is our example of servanthood, our example of humility. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. This is the attitude that Jesus Christ had. My closing scripture is Philippians 2, 12 and 13. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. We are not doing this alone. This fruit of agape love, it's grown by the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. The fruit of the Spirit It's not our fruit. We don't have to try to make that fruit grow. None of us should be thinking this love series is too hard. Jesus' yoke is easy. His burden is light. Yes, we want to be challenged. Yes, there are changes we can make in our lives. But we're not expected to do this without the Holy Spirit. He dwells within us. Stop and think about that for a moment. God, the Holy Spirit, dwells inside of you. Wow. When we abide in Him and He abides in us, then we bear much fruit. So take the time to sit at Jesus' feet, worship Him, and experience his presence. We got to do that during praise and worship today. I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that you all were patient. And were willing to do three contemporary songs today. I really was. Because I was able to sit at Jesus' feet during worship. I was able to worship him. Focus on, on him. Just repeat those things over and over until it got down into my spirit. My mind was able to turn off and I could experience God's presence. Spending time in the presence of our loving Lord and Redeemer will change your life. Let's pray. Father, we surrender our wills to you today. Your kingdom come, your will be done in our lives. You, God, you are our God. We are your people. Help us to adopt the attitude of Jesus. Bring to our attention when our motive is selfish. Help us to value others and to develop the fruit of agape love. Amen. So I want to encourage any of you who want to come up and kneel at the altar and pray, spend more time in his presence to do so. Any of you that have any prayer that you'd like me to pray over, please come up and do so. And the rest of you, enjoy your day. Enjoy fellowshipping with each other. Make this the greatest day of your life because it's up to us, isn't it? our attitudes to enjoy this day. You are dismissed.